and we went down there and we got beat 5-0. And the referee, um, he set my goalkeeper off, big Jason Mooney. And I said to the referee at the end of the game, I said, thanks, you've cost me my job, because I knew I was hanging on. And then there was a, there was a, f a famous vote to sack me. Um, there was eight in the committee, and four voted to sack me, and four voted to keep me. And the chairman, Gordon Stewart, was one of the ones who voted to keep me. Um, so his vote carried, because um, it was a draw, and I kept my job by the skin of my teeth. Hello everyone, we're delighted to be back recording podcasts for 2023. We have loads of good guests lined up over the next few months. So please like and subscribe to our channel to be sure not to miss out on any. Here is the first of the new year, Bally McCash Rangers manager, Lee Forsyth. Hope you enjoy. It's great to welcome uh, Bally McCash Rangers manager, Lee Forsyth, onto the podcast. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Great to have you. Um, Lee, we're just going to start off the podcast the same way we do with everybody else. And just could you tell us about your earliest memories of, of playing football or getting into football? Yeah, just uh, really football was a was a big thing um, growing up. Uh, really in the household, really a football football family, if you like, with my dad and my brother. Always just kind of you know always football fanatics. So kind of grew up uh, being a big Glentoran fan, a big Liverpool fan, really from from an early age and supporting those teams and um, just really playing football in school. Always you know out with, out with my friends playing football and just the kind of the normal the normal kind of schoolboy. Um, you know just obsessed with football and. Um, you know, kind of going to Glentoran games was a big, big, a big, big thing for me as a young boy. Kind of followed the team uh, home and away with my with my granddad as well, who took me and my me and my brother. Um, so they were kind of, you know, um, kind of got me to fall in love with with football. Really, with those memories and watching that kind of great Glentoran team. Really, um, so really, just then played through played through my school. Uh, the BB was a big, a big thing for me growing up um, as a young boy. Um, going to the boys' brigade, and, and that was kind of the the main kind of football outlet when when I was growing up, and um, all my kind of friends played for for the BB, and um, really played for for the BB and the school um, from oh, really you know eight nine um, through primary school right up to probably kind of fifteen sixteen. Um, so always enjoyed it and done well, um, but always had a probably more of a an interest in the other side of the game really than than playing, but. You know, uh, wasn't probably some of the other guests I've been on with you. I've probably been a bit, uh, I'm sure, better playing careers than, than me. But uh, it certainly, um, you know, certainly wasn't wasn't the worst. I enjoyed my time playing football, and um, I was a very very kind of honest honest player. And probably talked it better than I better than I played it. Um, but uh, no, great, really good memories um, of all that, and kind of just, you know, I think anybody who knew me, I gave my nickname used to be Stato. As a kid, because I could have told you, players kind of you know birthdays and you know of uh, anything about them, previous clubs and just that kind of obsession. Um, I used to collect football cards. I remember um, pro set football cards from I was about five years old, and I still got them in mum and dad's attic. Um, you know, you're talking a couple of thousand, and I would have could have researched every player, told you every every player, every team from from Northern Ireland, the Irish League to to England, right the way through. So I was always obsessed with. With them, um, that side of the game, and and, and players, and um, you know, especially managers as well, and just kind of results, and it was just something that that I lived and breathed really, you know, growing up. So you playing a, a little bit, and when when did like your first steps into coaching or management, or when did you kind of that in your head? Because some players, some coaches say, oh, when I was in my late twenties or whatever, I started doing my coaching badges, or I started managing a team along the side, or. Can you remember like a specific time you thought 
it, it never, I don't know, um, it never really, it, it really wasn't in my plan. It's a kind of funny story I've, I've told before about, um, I used to be obsessed with playing kind of football manager or premier manager. It used to be when I was a, when I was a kid and I remember mum and dad, I think it was about 10 or 11, and I wanted a Liverpool, I wanted a Liverpool manager jacket um, that Roy Evans used to wear on the sideline. It was a cream one. And uh, I got this for, for a present for my birthday. And I used to sit in my bedroom wearing this full manager's coat um, playing, you know, playing like Premier Manager. It used to be on the, it was the second Mega Drive or whatever it was back then. And uh, that was, that was kind of, so I always had that interest and obsession, you know, but really it, I never really thought it would, it would maybe materialise. I just thought it would kind of be a, a football fanatic and kind of go to the Glens games and used to go to the Glen Torn matches an hour early just to sit in the stand and watch the team warm up. Um, but really then, um, my brother actually was the, was the first one who kind of, he actually, he started managing or coaching one of the BB teams and I think I helped him out. I was maybe 15, 16. And then when he moved to Carrick, um, he moved to Carrick to live and he started taking a youth team at Carrick, I think maybe under 15s at Carrick. And then again, I went to help him out. I was probably maybe 17 around this age. And that was my first kind of introduction into, you know, really thinking about, um, because James would he, would he asked me to maybe, you know, take training or take a session. That was the first kind of time I started to, to think and design um, training and, you know, think about what you would do and how you prepare for a game, what the players would need. Mm -hmm. So that, so again, like with me, I'm, I'm very all or nothing. Um, so if you get me to do something and I, I do something, I'll, I'll go all in for it and become obsessed about it. And, and that was kind of very much hard football. I just got the bug then from that, from that age. And um, that was kind of how that, that kind of snowballed um, in terms of helping my brother at Carrick um, for probably two, two seasons with that under 15, under 16 group. And then I say I wanted to, to venture out on my own. And that was kind of how I, how I got into, into management from there. So you've seen yourself very much more like a manager than, than a coach, even from a very early age? Yes, so no, definitely. I think, I think management, you know, and just players and having that relationship with players and, you know, yeah, no, management was, you know, anybody who knows me even now, you know, I, I can coach, I can take a session, I've got my A licence, you know, but it's not my passion. There's, there's people who, you know, will have a passion for coaching and, and, and helping, and, um, but I would be more interested in the tactical side of the game than, you know, taking players to, you know, to do through wee drills, you, you know. Um, so, no, definitely wanted to be a manager. That was that was always, I think, very, 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 very clear. Um, and then I say my first my first introduction into that was I, I moved to Newton Orge to live, and that was how I then I applied for the Orge Youth um, under fifteen job, and that was the, my first two thousand and four. That was my first thing. I was twenty one. That was my first kind of um, uh, managerial venture, and again. Could probably tell you every team, every every selection I played, every starting eleven. You know, just have that memory and obsession for for football. Mm -hmm. So that was your that was into ours. Then you moved out into your own, on your own in terms of a manager. Uh, how did you kind of, with the experience that you had at Carrick, how did you kind of build your 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 teams to play, and how would you like your teams to play, and was there like maybe a a team across the water that you followed, that you liked the way they played, or how did you kind of come up with your own kind of it was, like, um, style of management, which is yeah, a big term that's used these my, days? My hero, um, growing up as a young boy, was Roy Coyle, who was the Glen Torn manager, very, very successful Glen Torn manager, and obviously was very successful um, with Linfield before that, but, but at Glen Torn I idolised this man, um, watched his teams every week, and uh, you know, even things I do today, still very much in what I, what I witnessed and what I watched in Roy Coyle, and, 
and Roy Coyle and Ackley and Torn team were, you know, people be watching this laughing and they know me and they know what I like to play, you know, was four four two and that was how I grew up, you know, watching those great Glen Torn teams, um, you know, of, of kind of four four two with two traditional old fashioned wingers, you know, kind of Tim McCann, the right, Stuart Elliott on the left and, and two centre forwards up front and two hard working centre midfielders and, and that really from, from two thousand and four. And, you know, listen, I've done other things and I've ventured in the other formations and, you know, it's not a one trick pony. We, as I said, yeah, you know, before we came on camera, you know, one player moves five yards and all of a sudden it's a different system. Mm -hmm. But that was very much my values. And I think, you know, just growing up as well, you know, my dad used to play and he was a winger and he was always kind of very much emphasising me about wingers and watching in the Liverpool teams with kind of John Barnes and then Steve McManaman. And, you know, so I was always loved, I was like, you know, getting the ball wide and getting crosses into the box. And I say Roy Coyle at Glentorn done that very, 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 very successfully. Um, so that was, that was my, uh, you know, I took that with me. I took that when I went into, into yards. And I think football back then was maybe a wee, bit, a wee bit different than it is now. Everybody's kind of obsessed about, you know, the right way to play and, you know, all this kind of, you know, possession stats and stuff. You know, for me, it was just about, you know, score more goals than the other team. And uh, when I went into yards, very, very started at, at under 15 level, you know, it, it really was I wanted to get wingers and, and every club I've went into, whether it be going through the Ards Rangers or, or Knockbreda or coming here at Ballamacash was about getting about getting wingers into the football club and, and that's what we've done from, from under fifteen and we've done very, 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 very well. Um at, at that age group at under fifteen and I say a few of those players like Mark Drysdale and, and Ryan Newbury are actually with me now. I still at Ballamacash from that from that age group and um, we took the under fifteens, we took the under sixteens um, at Ards and then we moved into under the under 18s took that team right through um, for four years, um, and that was a, a great learning curve, a great learning time. Because I think at at Ards at the time, when I was on Ards under 18 manager, the the first team were in the Premier League, um, and there was no reserve team. So the under 18s was the was effectively the second side of the Ards, and and that was brilliant. Um, you know, just because you were so close to you know such great players in that Ards team at the time, Jason Hill, Andy Waterworth, all playing for, and I was a a young manager, you know, and initially it was George Needle's manager, and then Gary Hillis and Raymond Morrison, and you know it was Supey Campbell, John Bailey. So it was great for me. I was just, you know, hoovering up all the information and everything that I saw and witnessed and watched, and so it was great as a young manager being under 18s and having that team, and, and that was a that was brilliant for me. That was a, a massive massive learning curve, if you like. So you're working your way through at at, at youth team level, underage level. You're kind of building this style of management up, and then you're being quite successful, you then take your first steps into senior management. Yeah, at Ards Rangers, yeah. So basically, uh, the, the team that I had at, at Ards under 18s had kind of maybe finished its cycle. They were all kind of too too old, and we had won the, we win the Irish Youth Cup 1-0. Um, was kind of our, my last game at Ards under 18s, and we'd beat uh, a Cliftonville side who'd win the league with the, like a Joe Gormley in it and stuff, and it was a, we, we probably weren't expected to, to win. Um, and at the end of that, it was a case of having to start again at under 18s and because it was in Newton Ards, Ards Rangers job had came up. I was only 24 at the time and I applied for the job and lied about my age and told them I was 28. Um, and I went for the interview and, and I didn't didn't honestly think that I had a chance of, of getting it. I think Brian McCarroll, who went on to have a good management career his own at Lexa Bundella, I think he was favoured to get the job but for whatever reason they couldn't, didn't come to an agreement. And uh, they offered it to me. Um, and. It was sheer panic probably when I first got the job because I was like, what am I actually going to do here? You know, but I think the attraction for me from our Rangers point of view was that I could bring 
really an, an under 18 team, you know, who were all too old for that group and moved them across the Ards Rangers. And, and uh, I mean, you talk about now, I think that's what makes slightly my experience a wee bit unique. There's a lot of players now who will retire and have great football careers and they'll do their badges and they will go into management and they won't have the first clue about pressure, you know, and what it's like to pick a team or drop a team or have, you know, from a, keep a board happy, keep supporters happy. And at 24, I was thrust into it because Ars Rangers were, you know, certainly in the area, is a big club mm-hmm. and a very demanding club with, with a lots of people around the club who want, had an opinion. And I had to manage that at a very young age and struggled. You know, there was the forums, the, used to be the old NI football forums. I was getting slaughtered on it, you know, and, and uh, I, I really struggled, you know, but it was great. It's a great experience. Actually, there was a period where I lost 10 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, in my first year at Orange Rangers at, at kind of 24 and I was being criticised from everywhere um, you know and it was not a good time for you know but but now it, it shaped me fantastically and you know I think I've, I've said this story before our 10th game was away to Warren Point Town um, in one of the cup games and nobody knew at that stage how good Warren Point were going to be Barry Grave was a manager they were a middle study club and we went down there and we got beat 5-0 and the referee um, he sent my goalkeeper off, big Jason Mooney, and I said to the referee at the end of the game, I said, thanks, you've cost me my job, because I knew I was hanging on. And then there was a, there was a, f- a famous vote to sack me. Um, there was eight in the committee, and four voted to sack me, and four voted to keep me. And the chairman, Gordon Stewart, was one of the ones who voted to keep me. Um, so his vote carried, because um, it was a draw, and I kept my job by the skin of my teeth. Um, but then that same season, we actually win 10 games in a row. And uh, we got promoted. Um, we we finished runners up the Abbey Villa, whose manager at the time was Graham Bailey, who is now the banker chairman. So a bit of bit of a link there. Um, so that was that was unbelievable. You know, such a from a real real low, and thinking I can't do this. And I think it was just the case that we brought so many young players across from under eighteen football mm-hmm. at eighteen years of age, and it probably took them six months to get the grips with adult adult football. And complimented complimented by a couple of senior players in that Orange Rangers team. Um, but we say we went on to get promoted that year, and then we got into the Premier League and uh, lost the lost the Premier Division title on our last day of the season. Um, so everybody thought we'd get relegated, and we actually we lost the league, and the, the, you know we, we finished runners up in our first year. Um, and it just really went from there, went went from strength to strength, and you know we we obviously had a real successful period at Orange Rangers, and it was uh, it was you know something I'll always look back on. But I think it's really shaped me who I am today, and it gives me that experience because I'm not old. You know, I've just turned 39, but in terms of experience and managerial, you know, kind of experience behind me, I've had the highs, I've had the lows, I've had the pressure, I've had the, you know, the criticism and, you know, people shouting things at me and people criticising me and, you know, I have a very thick skin to it now, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me as much as maybe some others. I just want to go back to when you first got the, the Arge Rangers job and you were so young, uh, did you manage to bring anybody in alongside you with more experience or what way did you kind of go about shaping your, your coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I probably went through a, a rake of coaches um, because I think what I've learnt, and this is one thing I've learnt, I brought in very, very good coaches. I wanted to bring in the top coaches who could, who could help me and assist me um, and probably at times undermined me um, because I was such a young manager. And I think what I learnt what I learned in football and you know is get people around you who are you know who have your back and who are loyal to you um, and I say obviously I think you know we'll have that we'll have that now but um, I say obviously you know Davy Lemon who's been with me now a long 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 time 
you know, Davy's very, very loyal. Um, but I think that was my, so yes, at our Rangers, at times, that was actually probably a problem at the start for me because I had so many different staff. I went through so many different staff um, at Orange Rangers because I think I just couldn't find, you know, someone who had maybe just struggled to take direction from a 24, 25 year old mm -hmm. when they were maybe, you know, I, I was a variety of different people, you know, coming in at, at different ages um, and different, far more senior experience than me mm -hmm. um, and management experience and playing experience. So I think they struggled with that. Um, so we probably had to, Kiss a few frogs before we found our kind of you know our, our prince. Um, but I say Jackie Carr. I have to give a mention to he became my, my player assistant at Orange Rangers, and that was a that was a real real um, great match. It was, it was perfect for us. You know, it, it worked really really well. Um, but I think initially I say it, it it did take a while to to settle. It took a while to settle is the best way to, to to put it. So you say it was a very successful time. What was winning your first trophy at Orange Rangers like after all that kind of all the lows and all the hard times, what was winning your first trophy like? Literally, um, we win the Premier Division in 2012. Um, our juniors only ever won it once before in their history. So we'd win promotion and that was nice, it was great. Um, but obviously we finished runners up, we didn't win anything. You know, we didn't get a trophy. That league in 2012, it's the best, it was the best high. And I've won leagues and I've, I've won, you know, leagues since it and I've, I've won cups and all since it. But that as a high was the greatest high. Um, so I was 28 when I win the Amateur Premier Division. Um, it's probably a record, I don't think there'd be any other manager who's probably win that, that trophy as young. Um, was unbelievable, it was the best day. Um, you know, I think it was 5th of May 2012, never forget it, you know, and, and uh, an unbelievable, you know, euphoric, um, just that full-time whistle, say, and it was us against Albert Foundry, who were going for the league. It was us, two teams, it was, came down to the last day shootout, they needed to win to win the league and then we needed a draw to win the league and uh, Ryan Newbury scored the winner in the 81st minute for us to win 1-0 so uh, just unbelievable just uh, you know because nobody could take it away from me you know once it done no matter what 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 happened to me after after that period um, nobody could take that that success away from me. And do you think once you got the first one over the line and that just led to Led to more success? Yeah, I think, well, I had this crazy idea, again, youthfulness. I had this crazy idea, right, now we're going to win it. Now we're going to win it, you know, we're going to play like Barcelona and we're going to win it in this different style and we're going to... So it changed, started to change my ways, lasted about three months. And I went, right, we're, we're knocking this in the head, you know, so... And again, it's all learning, you know, I said, now we're going to win it, we're going to win it style, you know, but then, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't materialise, so it took us... Um, it took us a bit of time. It took me a bit of time to probably kind of catch myself on and kind of go back, go back to what you know. If it's not broke, why fix it? Type of thing. And um, but certainly that what that did for our Rangers was, you know, it established us as a, a big name in amateur football. Um, you know that, and I think they, they used to be, you know, back in the day. But I think the fact we were we were back um, at that kind of top table and getting players to come in was it was a lot easier, you know, because we'd been there and we'd, you know, we'd win the league and people then started to know who I was and um, so that, that laid out, laid the foundations for obviously, you know, the, the future kind of success and we were bridesmaid a lot of times, we had lot, lots of runners-ups as well, but you know, we were always, always competing. I think my worst season at Orange Rangers, my, my lowest um, achievements was we finished fifth one year and we got beaten two cup finals, so that was the worst season in our Rangers, so when I look back at that, it's it's kind of nice to you know to, to look back on it. So it's not a bad worst season, you know. So having such a successful time at Orange Rangers, why did that come to an end? How did that come to an end? 
I think just it was it was time, you know, I think it was time I was getting frustrated um, that the club probably weren't pushing on or wanted to push on, didn't have the ambition um, to push on. It probably wasn't right for them at that time, but, you know, we'd, we'd win the double in 2015, um, winning the Premier Division and winning the Border Cup, which was, which was unbelievable. And, um, you know, I think I was starting to lose players to higher level, which, which was frustrating. It never really happened. Hadn't happened too many times, maybe, maybe the odd exception. But it was kind of becoming more and more common, um, where players were going to Dundella or going to the Welders, or I want to play in Championship, I want to play at a higher level. And you know, we get beaten in the Intermediate Cup final, which at the time was, uh, you know, now Championship One clubs aren't allowed in the Intermediate Cup. You know, back then they were, and we got beat one 0 in the final of the Institute. We were regularly beating Championship One sides um, during my time at Orange Rangers. You know, regularly. We beat Championship one side. I think that, that year we got to the final. I think, I think nearly every team was a Championship one side. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was frustrating for me. I felt we were good enough. I felt I was good enough. I wanted to test myself. You know, wanted the club to, to move forward. So I think just after nine years, I kind of got a bit of itchy feet. You know, and and, and wanting to see what what else was was out there. I felt like I, I'd achieved all I probably could at at the amateur side of the game. So I wanted to to, to move. Move. I didn't want to move on, but I was I was open to the seeing what else was out there, and then a few things obviously came up then, which led to led to me leaving. So your next step then from Ard Rangers was to Not Breda. Yep. Was that an applied position, or did they come and, and ask for your services? It was. I had um, made a. I think I'd sent a. I think I knew Colin Russell, I think I'd sent him, I can't even really remember, but I think I'd sent him a text message, I'd seen it advertised, and I'd sent him a text message. Um, I think it was around my B license, I think it was a question around my B license at the time, and I asked a question, you know, and, and Colin said, give me a ring, and I'd give him a ring, and then um, I, was on, I texted him on a Friday, and they offered me the job, met him on a Saturday morning, they offered me the job on a Monday. Um, but again, beyond that, there was actually an approach from Bangor, so Bangor had approached me, Bangor had just been relegated um, to the Balamina League, um, and they had pr- approached me. Um, and I think it was a, they were having a bit of an internal struggle over their board position b- between the board that was there and a new board that was coming in. And the new board had kind of approached me to say that they would be they would have been interested in me being the manager, but they weren't in par yet. And if if they were on par, you know, would I be interested? And I was absolutely. And then the Knockbreeder thing came along at the same time. So Knockbreeder then offered me the job on a on a Monday night. Um, and I couldn't turn it down. You know, it was a Championship One established club. You know, I couldn't turn it down, and, and, I, and I took it. Um, and then just it so happened then about two weeks later that Bangor board got in position, got in power. Um, so obviously, you know, I couldn't I couldn't pursue that after already taking the Knockbreda job. So I often wonder what would have happened if both jobs were on the table at the same time. It would because obviously Bangor is such a such a big kind of you know traditional Irish league club. Mm-hmm. Um, but say yes, I went to Knockbreda and it was a, you know, a very daunting challenge. I think initially, um, you know, because it was I think thirty one when I took the Knockbreda job, going into Championship One, big jump from from Amateur Premier. And the big jump was that in terms of managing better players, playing against better teams, having like your way of playing trusted in a higher higher level. What kind of was you know? What was the differences between the two? In every way, um, all all of those, absolutely, all of those. Um, and I think I wasn't really known. I think I built myself up to have a reputation in amateur football. Everybody knew who I was, and I was coming to the championship one, and I was unknown. 
Um, you know, I think it's fair to say when you're in the amateur league, you think it's the centre of the universe, mm -hmm. and then you come out of it and you realise it's not. And it's really when I was in the middle city here last year, you think it's the centre of the universe, but you realise it's not. Yep. You know, so people people live in bubbles. You know, so when you came out of that amateur league bubble um, in the championship one, you realise that championship one players don't care who won the amateur league, don't know who won the amateur league, don't know who you are, don't know the best amateur league players. You know, it's um, it's just all about the Irish league, and 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 uh, so that was. That was different for me, you know, coming in and kind of, I would ring people and kind of say, it's Lee for side, and, you know, they'd be like, ah, oh, Lee, and all of a sudden it was who, you know, so that was different. Um, I think it was a different club. Um, like Breeden, our Rangers, very, very different clubs. I think um, our Rangers, uh, you know, it was, it was a committee. It was run by a committee. Um, Knock Breeden was more kind of directed, you know, by an owner more. Um, so that was different. And I probably had more more influence at Orange Rangers. I probably had more um, freedom at Orange Rangers. Um, I don't think that's unfair to say, um, you know, but again, you know, I was really, really thankful for Nutbreeder. I think it's, that experience has certainly shaped me into who I am today. You know, there was, I was challenged far, far more at Nutbreeder. Um, I was questioned far, far more at Nutbreeder. I was, um, you know, which I never had at Orange Rangers. So, you know, I could lose a game at Orange Rangers and I would be my own worst critic. And I, and I had to dissect that at Knockbreeder it was very, very different. At Knockbreeder it was, you know, why did you lose it? You know, here's why we think you lost it, here's why, you know, here's what you could do better, here's what so there was there was differences. Um obviously again there was a big, big difference of style, um, in terms of football. Um and when I came to Ballon McCash here, you know, they these were the questions I'd asked with the committee, you know, can I do what I want? Can I play the way I want? This is how I play. You know, and, and I think Nutbreeder wanted to play in a certain manner, in a certain style. That wasn't something that I had done, you know, and that, that style hadn't suited me. Um, so I ended up, I mean, my teams at Orange Rangers were big, strong, physical, in your face. Um, you never got an easy game against us. All of a sudden at Nutbreeder, I, I had a young, talented, very talented, technical team. Um, who were all, you know, in Knockbreeder maybe wanted to play in a, in a different in a different way. Um, I probably wasn't the right manager mm -hmm. for that. Um, you know, you know, in, in hindsight, they probably shouldn't have appointed me if they wanted the, a manager to play in that in that style. And I think people get obsessed with people get obsessed with with styles, and people get you know, there's criticism, you know, that my teams play long ball and stuff, and and it annoys me, it frustrates me because you know, you know, my teams score. A hell of a lot of goals. I don't think we. I wouldn't consider myself a long ball manager at all. I consider myself, you know, we play fast football. We play quick football. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the right back getting the ball, and moving into number six who passes it over to the left back, and the crowd give a ripple of applause. That's not for me. It doesn't excite me. Um, you know, the, the day that you know they change the rules of football and you get points based on possession, I will absolutely change my style. You know, but until those until that day comes, you know, I have no interest in that. And but you know, that was a big thing at Knockbreeder. That was you know, Knockbreeder wanted to wanted wanted to look mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, and uh, it was challenging, but learnt a lot. You know, I'm very very thankful for for the opportunity because it, I, you know, I probably learnt more. And I was at Knockbreeder for just over two and a half years. I learnt more probably in two and a half years at Knockbreeder than I did in nine years at Orange Rangers. So without that experience, um, I don't think I would be, you know, where I am today. So do you just think it was 
wrong time at Nut Breeder then? Just like the wrong time? No, not the, not the wrong time. I don't think it, was, I think it was the right time. I think it was just maybe the, the wrong club, you know, just to have that um, the venture. And the, and the, I can say that as well. I, I, I probably wasn't. A, listen, it was a good experience. It was a great experience. You know, you either, you know if, you, if you're not winning, you're learning, you know. Um, and, and I think, I mean, when I first went to Nut Breeder, brought a lot of amateur league players. Um, that was obviously what I knew. Um, brought a lot of amateur league players with us. We were getting red cards every week. We were, but for a period, we were actually top of the championship. Um, we were top of championship one, and it was, uh, you know, but we were, we brought a bit of amateur league two, two championship one, and um, we ruffled feathers. I remember we beat Nal Curry's Port of Down one nil at Shamrock Park. We we went on, you know, a great run, but I say the club weren't happy with with um, the, uh, I think just maybe some of the personalities. In, in the group, um, I think I should be stronger, should have been stronger. I think, I mean, on <clears throat> the first day in the job, I'd signed two players, um, Ryan Newbury and Jamie Patterson, and I went to sign a third, was Big Sticky Hislop, and uh, Big Sticky had been great for me um, at Ours Rangers, from the Shankle Road, you know, but rougher in the ages, you know, but a, a real battler, a real warrior. But he'd been at Knockbreed previously, and uh, I was told on day one, you know, I put the forms through, and it was a case of, you know, yep, you can sign them, but you're not signing Sticky Hislop. And I was like, why not? And they were like, well, he's been here before and he's a troublemaker. And I'm 31, <clears throat> you know, I'm just happy to be there. I'm just, I'm happy to be in, I'm happy to be in Championship 1. And I said, okay, you know, I wouldn't say okay now. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I would say I'm the manager, I can sign my players or not sign my players. So, just things like that, that was one example. You know, that was in kind of day one, of just not having that full, total say of who and what, you know, there was another, there was a player, Karen Murray, as well, we had, had playing for us, and um, again, Karen was hard to manage, he was, he was difficult, but he was talented, and all the best players are, you know, hard to manage, to be honest, and uh, again, I had to get, you know, I was told I had to get rid of Karen, um, just for his kind of behaviour, um, you know, so there was things like that, I think, and, and there were, you know, my teams were, or are, fully committed to 100%, you know, I think that's why the, the fans here at Ballymacash like the team because they know they give everything, the players, that's what I expect from players, you know, fully, and there's no, whereas I ended up with a, I remember not really doing, you know, some of my team talks, you may imagine, maybe be a, bit, a bit loud, and, you know, very motivational, and, you know, I've done these team talks at different clubs and always get a good reaction and get a, a change room ready to go out and die for me and ready to go out and give the club everything, and, and at Knockbreed, I found the players wanted more the technical and tactical information, which they get. Um, they always get, but, you know, I think I was giving these team talks and then maybe just having 19-year-olds kind of looking at me. Um, you know, and I feel like uh, something's not right here. It doesn't feel... They don't, didn't feel like my teams. You know, they didn't feel like... Now, and again, I, I'm not ripping the players because the play, it wasn't the players' fault um, because, you know, the club wanted young, young players who could maybe... You know, bring the club, uh, you know, some money or you know, for sale on value. I think they had a Nuckbreed had a really good um, uh, opportunity or a really good um, experience with Bobby Burns, who went on had a great career just before I came to Nuckbreed, and Bobby had done really, really well. So you know, Nuckbreed wanted to bring you know young players in on loan or give players an opportunity, and and I understand, I understand why. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a value in that. I think it's. Um, Knockbreeder maybe don't have a, a catchment area as such, you know, they're they're out in the hills a wee bit. Um, so I can understand why I probably wasn't the right manager 
to, to do that. You know, they probably needed more development type coach. Um, you know, but uh, I say it was a it was a gr it was a great great learning opportunity for me to get to go to you know and manage at those at those grounds against those clubs against those managers. You know, to learn you know just so much about the game. I learned so much about myself. Um, so without that, you know, it probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't be where where I was. But it was a, it was difficult as well. I was I say not great. It was good at the start, and um, but you know the amateur league players were kind of, you know, unless they were young, they weren't really what the club wanted. You know, whereas I wanted to bring in, you know, kind of thirty-year-olds with a missing tooth. You know, and that, mm -hmm. you know, I think we needed that. You know, but um, it it just wasn't it wasn't you know to be, but. Never fell out with anybody um, at all. Uh, my time there, you know, with 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 Colin and Alan and stuff, never fell out with any of them. All were left on relatively good good terms. You know, we still speak to them both now. I've I've seen them. Um, I, I thank them for the opportunity that that I had. But probably a wee bit of tinge of frustration from from me that uh, you know maybe just couldn't have done things a bit more my way. Um, you know, and you know, I, I remember actually like one of the stories at Knockbreda. We played Lauren. Is when Lauren just the money it all came into Lauren and um, Kenny Bruce was there and Tian and Lynch. We were playing Lauren first game of the season at, at Breda Park, and I said to, to Colin, we had came down at the at the summer and pre-season and the grass hadn't been cut, and Colin's like, oh, we need to get the. Uh, there was actually the youth under 19 championships. The women's had been playing at Bre using Breda Park, so the pitch had been extended, been opened up to meet UEFA standards. So the pitch was huge, huge. So I came down, and Colin says, "Oh, the you know the the pitch will be cut and you know ready for for Lauren." I said, "Come, don't cut it, don't cut that pitch." I said, "That's perfect," you know. So the club were like, you know, I was like, "No, the pitch is perfect. The, the pitch is absolutely perfect the way it is. Um, it was long, it was really long." Um, but I said, "I'm bring the lines in." I said, "Bring the lines of the pitch in." So uh, surprisingly, they they done it, you know. And I said, "We'll get hammered, you know. They they will hammer us." This was Lauren. You know, with a Davy McDade, this was a basically the Lauren team that that, that the, the team that walked the championship that year. Mm -hmm. So um, Lauren came down, they cried their eyes out. They seen the pitch. Tiernan Lynch still on YouTube now. Tiernan Lynch post match interview crying about the pitch. You know, the pitch was borderline embarrassing. You know, it was it was like a jungle. You were obviously building that not to suit Lauren. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we and we brought the pitch in. I mean, the pitch the, it was like a football pitch inside a football pitch. Um, but we drew one each, and we actually missed a, a young Reese Clown, missed a sitter in the last minute to beat them two one, and uh, you know they couldn't get away from us, you know, and uh, Marty Donnelly's, Davy McDade's, they, they just couldn't get playing. So that was brilliant. We went away in our second. It was the first game of the season. We went away to Lima Valley, the second game of the season, and uh, our Lauren was the first game of the season. We went away to Lima Valley, second game of the season, went two one, and then the third game of the season we were at home to was it home to Portadown? I think we were home to Portadown, and. Uh, I said, don't touch the pitch. Leave the pitch the way it is. Keep it small. Keep it narrow. Keep it tight. You know, obviously cut it a wee bit, but not, you know. And I had made that very, very clear. Came down on the Saturday for the match. The pitch was like a bowling green. It had been cut. The pitch was massive again. It was open, extended right out. And I just, you know, and they said, um, oh, the the pitch looks bad. They said the pitch looks bad. I said the league table is going to look worse. You know, that was my kind of answer. So. We things like that, you know, if that pitch had stayed like that, we would have win. We would have won points, you know. If we could, if we could take a point off Lauren, you know, and that's what we, that's what we had, that's what we wanted. That's for the players. Obviously, it wasn't a level playing field in terms of the resources of other clubs, because Nick Breda certainly didn't have 
good resources when you know when I was there in comparison to the clubs that were in the in the league, which is you know Championship One is a very very competitive league. So just things like that. But it was a great overall. You know, I probably wouldn't be the manager I am without those experiences. But certainly I wouldn't. You know, when I go into a club, when I came into here, you know, literally I'd ask Balmakash. I mean, you know. The committee will tell you, you know, I was asking them as many questions they were asking me. I was like, you know, can I do this? Am I allowed to do that? Can I sign this? Can I do that? Mm. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's uh, hopefully that's maybe one of the reasons why it's worked so well. So your time at uh, Nock Breda, Championship 1 came to an end, and then that led to a, a small time out of the game? Before, yeah, well, that was before, my first ever time. Before your next move? My first ever time out of the game. I'd never, ever been, uh, you know, never had a Saturday with no football match. Um, so very, very strange, very, very strange experience for me. Hated it, despised it. And I'll say I live and breathe football. Um, you know, people say it's nice to have a break. And I, I actually don't understand, I can't understand managers who have like two years out of the game and all. I, I just, football's my life. You know, I, I literally live and breathe, you know, football. My result on a Saturday, you know, it doesn't ruin my Saturday night, it ruins my week. You know, I, I'm in a bad mood the following Friday. You know, it, it, it just means that much to me. You know, it, I, I probably prioritise it higher than I probably should, but you know it just means so much. So, being out of the game, I think I left. I left Nockbreda on the 29th of October, um, 2019, and it was uh, the longest two months of my life in November and December. Awful. Um, I say that's when it could have been several clubs, all amateur league clubs. You know, nobody was coming knocking. No big clubs were coming knocking for me, and it was all amateur league offers. I've had several um, amateur league clubs offer me, and. Uh, I didn't really want to take it because my heart really wasn't in it. Um, but eventually, I say, Eileen McGee had been the most persistent, and I, and I knew um, quite a few of them. Um, you know, Michael Moore, obviously, who had played with at, at Carrick when I was a young player. He's obviously playing my player here now. But there was quite a few I knew, so I agreed to take the Eileen McGee job. Then I took the, him in uh, January 20. I think I went to Eileen McGee, but due to COVID, then COVID came in. And that was only actually Island McGee for seven games, um, so it was a kind of short period with with COVID and stuff came in. Um, but it was a great. I have to say, you know, I really actually enjoyed my time at Island McGee. It probably doesn't get mentioned that much when people talk to me, or people don't really associate me with Island McGee because I wasn't there for a very long time. But um, you know, some real good characters. And I think I think what actually it did for me was it allowed me to be me again. And um, you know, oh, they bent over backwards. You know, Michael Devine, Nerd Island McGee, helped to give a mention to because he, you know, he really looked after me and, and, and they did the bent over backwards and everything I asked for. But it was just good to kind of find myself again and kind of put my type of identity back on a, on a team again. And I think we were actually building a really good, we are building a really good side. And, um, you know, when, when this opportunity, you know, came to, to come to Ballamacash, and I think then obviously I took a few players that I'd signed for Island McGee, I took a few players here, so I think they fell out with me a wee bit. But, um, you know, I can only enjoyed that, enjoyed that period. But to say being out of the game for for two months was, I just don't understand how anybody does it. You know, because it was just, it was just, you know, nothing replicates that buzz of being a manager on the on the sideline on Saturday. So how did you fill your couple of months off? Was it going to watch games? Was it family time? You know, no, I went and watched games. That was, you know, went and watched games, and you know, kind of floated around just watching different games every Saturday for the for those two months. Um, you know, but didn't enjoy it, you know, didn't enjoy it at all. I was watching games and seeing things that I thought was, you know, wrong and you, you can't do anything about it. You're just kinda you're just kinda stamping there, you know. So no it, it wasn't it wasn't for me just watching just watching 
you know, football, being a spectator, doesn't not the same. Doesn't do it for you? No. I can say the same for myself. <laughs> uh, so, since you had such a short time at Island McGee and you thought you were building a good team and obviously COVID and stuff uh, brought that to an end, what, what was the attraction to here that made you leave Island McGee after such <coughs> a short time? Well, I, I didn't really know a lot about Ballamacash um, at all. Um, and obviously I'd, I'd seen the kind of the, the, the job being advertised when Galtee left. I thought Galtee done a great job here in that he raised the profile of the club um, because he brought in obviously some high profile players who he played with. Um, I know friends of his, you know, the, the Darren Murrays and the Rory Patterson's and stuff were, were, were personal friends of Michael. And that's why they, they signed to the club, you know, people will tell you other reasons, but it was very much because of that friendship. Um, because as soon as I joined, they all left. But, you know, um, so he'd done a great job in raising the profile of the football club. And, and that was even how I kind of got to know about Ballamacash. And I think they have a really good um, social media presence. That, like I said, Josh and stuff does a great job with the social media. And, you know, everybody was starting to talk about the club. So when I then researched, you know, the club and done kind of a bit of homework, I was like, this is, this is, quite, this is quite interesting. You know, I think it would be something I'd like to explore. And actually, when I came to meet the committee, um, and I, the committee spoke to several managers, um, I, I know that. Um, I wasn't sure if it was for me, um, I'll be honest. I remember I pulled up, I, I met them, I think it was a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and I was talking with Davy Lemon, my assistant, on the phone out in the car park, and uh, I said to Davy, look, I'm going to go and have a chat with him. Um, Davy was happy at Island McGee, you know, we were, we're, doing, we're doing okay in terms of the players we brought in. I said, look, I'll go in and have a chat with him for 10 minutes. And Davy's like, and I said, I'll ring you. I'll ring you as soon as I come out. And Davy's like, I'll not be ten minutes knowing you. I said, No, it will be. I said, Half an hour at the most. So I think I, I was about eight o'clock. I think I rang about quarter past ten. You know, what the time I came out. But I came in and, and met the the committee, and I was just blown away. I was just absolutely blown away by by the club, you know, in in terms of what they were telling me about the the sports academy. You know, it's just a really unique football club. I don't think people actually realise just what goes on here. That this football club is the actual heart heartbeat of the community it's the center of the community and I say with the sports academy you know it's the I think we're the first kind of fan-owned club you know in Northern Ireland um, much like that I think people said before like the FC United of Manchester that model in England um, so you know with the sports academy there's so many shareholders and the community have got involved and you know really bought into it you know so so many people have bought and bought shares that was how we were able to get the, the new pitch you know, and then they've done another share offer for the new building, which is which is being uh, built soon. Which obviously has the you know it's going to have a gymnasium, it's going to have a cryo spa. It's really going to set the club apart. But but the bluebell here, you know, it it is the centre of the community. You know, because there's not another kind of you know pub or bar in this area of Lisburn. You know, you probably have to go into the centre. Um, so people come here. You know, so just the the potential of the club is what what struck me, and the fact that you know from being at Knockbreda. You know, where it was very much kind of one or two people, you know, doing everything. This was really a, a committee, you know, a football committee with a with a sports academy, you know, committee with, with directors and and it's filled of very successful business people, you know, who, who have a great track record and, you know, who know what they're doing and know what they're trying to build and you can so I, I it just really hit me. I was like, This this is you know, this could be for me here. So when I met with a committee on the Wednesday, I was like, yeah, "This is this is definitely what I would what I would love." So I left on the Wednesday, um, and then they rang me on the Friday and, and offered me the job. Then on the Friday, and Ayla McGee actually had a match on the Saturday, and I, I said on the Friday, I said, "Look, I'm, you know, I 
didn't want to be disrespectful to Ailey McGee. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, uh, I'm gonna see the game tomorrow. You know, and I'll speak to you on Sunday because I, you know, wanted to, to focus on that game. But but my head was my head was turned. You know, I went to the Ailey McGee game and I was a I was a ghost. You know, I was just kind of on the sideline. My head was. I can understand now when people talk about players having their heads turned and stuff because my head was turned. You know, I mean, I was sitting on the sideline and even giving my team talk and just wasn't myself. You know, I knew that. Um, I knew what I was going to do, um, and then obviously the game was over in the Saturday night. Then I rang on the Saturday night and accepted the job, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, we've, we've went from went from there really. Went from strength to strength, and uh, when you come into the job, obviously it was just the, the COVID time. But was there a was there a clear uh, kind of like objective that you had to achieve or that you wanted to achieve, or were you just told to come in and just? See what no, no, there was there wasn't really said. I mean, I know through the sports academy, um, you know, the, the club has like a five-year plan, um, and that that's kind of you know they, they review that and there's aims and objectives within that. Um, but no, when when I came in from the football point of view, I think we, I came in and the COVID season was still happening. I think the middle league was one of the, the, the few leagues that were kind of trying to get through it. Um, so my first two games were in the in the the old league, you know, of the, of the previous season. And uh, you know, with Bamakash weren't, weren't going that well at that time, um, but we had obviously came in and brought a lot of new players in. Galdi had left a few weeks previous, um, so the, there had been no manager for a few weeks. Um, but we, I think we, we, we drew and drew and win our first two games, but then COVID stopped and then the league was scrapped. Um, so for that start of the following season, obviously we were able to get more players in, and it was just really to be competitive. I think you know, probably top four was what the club were were, were looking. There was no set. Objectives, you know, I wasn't told you have to win the league or you have to win promotion or, you know, uh, to be honest, nothing but support from everybody around me. You know, I think we, I set my own objectives privately. You know what I mean? I think we knew it would, you know. I remember the, the we we played Crew in the Stevenson's and we got beat two one, um, and that was kind of a worry. You know, are we are we maybe we're not as good as we, we think we are on paper. Um, but the set, it was the second league game of the season. We were way to Bourneview Mill, and I knew they were a decent side without really knowing a lot about them. And I was kind of, I was anxious because I didn't know how good we were. And uh, all we went down, we were super. And I, after the game, I said to David, I says, "Yeah, we're we're on to something here. This is, you know, we're we're close." Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, we, you know, with a great with a great year, we played thirty league games, lost one, win twenty five, drew four. You know, I think we scored one hundred and twenty four goals. Of which ninety one came from wide areas, so uh, you know we're doing something right with the wingers, but um, yeah, so you know it was obviously a great, it was a great, um, great season, and, and the club were nothing but supportive. There was no pressure, pressure put on. I think my anxiety didn't really celebrate the the league win, because when you, without getting promoted, the league win meant nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't really, it wouldn't have been a success. You know, for getting to that period. You know, because we knew that. The, the playoffs were going to be difficult with um, so many clubs potentially rumoured to be looking to go up. And if it didn't go up this year, if it didn't go up last year. If it won the league this year, you could have another three or four teams coming out of the woodwork wanting, you know, so that the playoffs to go up can end up three or four teams. But thankfully, in the end, it only came down to us and St James's. Um, so that was enjoyable. Now, that was probably the the um, the second biggest buzz in my career was was winning the winning the playoff to get the club. You know, into the Irish League, that was obviously it was huge for everybody, and just seeing what it meant to the people who have been here from the from the very very start. You know, it was it was special for them. So you realised early on in the season that you had a strong team, that 
you had the potential to be successful. At what point of the season did you think that promotion to the Championship 2 was a real possibility? I think, um, to be fair to, to Crew United, um, you know they pushed us all the way. So there was never, there was never a, you know, a, a definitive eventuality about that we were going to win the league, um, because Crew had had a slow start to the season, and they went seventeen games in a row during the year. So it just showed how consistent we were. Actually, you know that that we still, I think we, I think we actually win the league in the end by probably like five or six points. So um, I thought early doors. I think it became very clear it was going to be us and Crew. Um, probably really from September October time, and um, we knew that you know that would happen. And they they beat us in the the start of 2022, first league game of 2022 away. Beat us 2-0 was their first league defeat, and I think everybody thought at that stage our wheel, wheels were going to fall off and we were going to fall apart. And and you know great credit to the players. You know it, it, it never bothered us a bit. You know we just got back on it and and uh, went back to in the in their winning run really. You know so. I was always confident. I was always confident. I always I thought we scored a lot of goals. And if you have a team who scored a lot of goals, and you know, and it was Alaba had a really good defensive record. So you know, those two things are always going to get you close. So, um, and I and I just I just did feel that that uh, I just thought we were a better side. You know, I, I did think we were a better side in crew. I thought we had more depth in crew. I thought that in the long run, the injuries and suspensions towards the end of the year would favour us more. And um, that that's thankfully how. It, how it transpired, you know. So, but even for the promotion itself, you know, there was lots to achieve um, from the club's point of view to, to hit that standard, because obviously there's requirements to get into the Irish League. So there was lots of hard work going on, and again, it shows the power of the club because I think we had an inspection at the club. It, it looked like we were going to win the league, and there was an inspection from the IFA. It came down, and there was so many things that the club didn't meet the criteria. You know, this was wrong, that was wrong, this was wrong, and. That for me showed the kind of power of Ballon Cash and showed the power of the Sports Academy because within 10 days, everything had been done. Within 10 days, you know, away dressing room walls had been knocked down, extended, there'd been, there was uh, new turnstiles installed, you know, it was just, it, it was phenomenal, you know, and, and uh, so the, when we're actually done it again, all the hard work that those people done, you know, and people came out of their own work and stopped their own work and took on your leave to get all this, you know, to, to meet the criteria. Um, so, so again, that was that was uh, it was special when it actually happened, you know, just for, for all that all that hard work. But when it actually sunk in, when the moment sunk in, it would actually done it. You know, it was two leg playoff, and the first leg we, we beat St James's here three 0 and we were, we were excellent. And then the second leg, um, our goalkeeper got injured about twenty minutes, and he had and they he got injured in their goal in the lead up to their goal. So they were one 0 up, and three one in aggregate, and our goalkeeper was injured. So and this is twenty minutes gone. So it's James's and we're away from home. So they really, I think at that thought they were, they were going to throw the kitchen sink at us. And we came in at half time and at, at, at you know three one in aggregate one 0 down in the second leg with an injured goalkeeper. Or with, you know we brought young Reese Lawson on, um, who was the reserve team goalkeeper. And you know it was a wee bit of anxiety. I think it's fair to say because if they'd have got the second goal, um, you know it could have been it could have been a different story. But thankfully we did, and we went on. Um, the game finished to each, and we went five two um, overall. And I say just the, the celebrations that night, and the celebrations here in the club and stuff, you know, was was excellent. So that that realization, and we had our end of season dinner, um, you know, and David Jeffrey was a guest speaker, um, you know, and just to realize, you know, he was saying we're an Irish League club now. You know, it was a it was a nice it was a nice moment, you know, to to look back on what we came into. You know, I think you know 
myself and the staff and the players. You know, I think you know overall the job we've done in such a short space of time is was probably beyond all of our wildest dreams. You know, I always backed myself to be successful, but probably just didn't think it would come maybe as quickly mm-hmm. as it did. But thankfully, thankfully it did. What do you think would have happened if you didn't achieve promotion via the playoff? I can think I would have been disappointed. I think we'd all, you know, we had the we had the liquor wounds, but I've no doubt that we we would have, you know, nothing has run here any differently now that we're in the the PAL than than when we're in the Middlestar League. You know, we don't we don't run things differently. We don't take training differently. We don't. I don't try to sign players any differently. You know, we had built the team last year. We built a team in the Middlestar League that if we got promoted, didn't need major surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the way it's that's the way it's been. You know, I think like we beat Limavady here three 0 um, the other week, and you know there was only two players, um, Bam Neeson and Jack Smith, that were new from this season. You know, the other nine were the Middlestar League team. So you know we would have been fine. You know it would have been very disappointing. Um, but you know if we hadn't have you know, crew probably would have went out of the league. You know so would have would have left one or two of us. I think you know. We've left behind a weaker Middlestar League that we're out of it. You know, I think that, I think there's more of an opportunity now for other clubs to kind of, um, for your Oxfords and your, your your you know to compete with the likes of Crew, um, but no, it would have been fine. Just would have been it would have been disappointing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, you know, that's been the scenario with Crew probably for four seasons. You know, where they've had ambitions to go up and it hasn't happened for them. So they've had to you know rebuild and, and go again. And, and we would have been exactly the same. But thankfully, you know, uh, uh, you know, I say I've been bridesmaid and. So many other times in my career, but thankfully this time, you know, it was it was our wedding day, so we were okay. So you move into Championship Two, which is a, a very good league again. Um, it's now what are we? The first weekend in, in the new year, and you're sitting top. You couldn't really imagine it, if you're being honest, to go as well as it has been. No, I, I think that um, I knew that we I knew that we had a we had potential to have a bounce, um, you know, because the club wasn't such a high. From last year, the players were on such a high, so I knew that we were probably going to get a bit of a bounce going into the new season, and we showed that like our first game away to Port Stewart. You know, we took a great crowd Tuesday night, took a great crowd down to Port Stewart. The players were, you know, as fired up for that game. It was like a cup final to them. You know, being the first Irish League game for for Balmacash Rangers, um, so when you would get a bounce, we win three 0 and that probably lasted. To be honest with you, you know. That bounce has probably lasted six months now, so I probably have to accept it's probably not a bounce, and we're just a good side, um, you know. Um, so it has again went, you know, better than we better than we could have could have hoped for. I think we made some good signings in the in the summer that that's really strengthened um, strengthened us and the players that are already here. Um, but you know, I'm very reflective as well, and I don't get carried away, and I keep my feet in the ground and. You know, we do have to walk before we can run, and there is obviously still, still some very good teams in the league. And the, the fact, to be honest, uh, that that we are being talked about with Bangor is, you know, it's act pinch yourself, you know, because people talk about pressure and all. You know, Ballymacash Rangers, a middle sort of league team, you know, being compared to uh, competing with Bangor, you know, a, a proper, as I said earlier, a proper traditional. Irish League football club, you know, who have won Irish Cups and always competed at the top end of the Irish League. I say, I grew up as a Glentorn fanatic, you know, going to watch the Glens at, you know, at, at Clandy Boy, you know, against Bangor and, um, you know, Ballon McCash at that stage would have been playing on a mud pitch in the middle of the state, you know, so where the two clubs have, have came from, you know, and uh, I mean, there's no, I, I think it's probably nice for Bangor to maybe have a rival again, you know, maybe after having the, the, the doldrums of the couple of years in the Ballymena League and stuff, you know, but 
it's um, it's not rivals for us. You know, it's it's. In fact, I you know I've seen a few kind of tweets and a few messages there when they win the Stephen Sons Cup. You know about you know Merry Christmas except for Bala McCash and blah blah blah. And and see to be honest with you, that absolutely warms my heart. You know the fact that we must be doing something right if. Uh, if a football club like Bangor are worried about what we do, you know, we get beat against Queens here the other week, our first defeat of the season. Now, apparently the biggest cheer of the day was, you know, at Clandy Boy when the, when the result was read out at the end of the game. And I kind of go on, you know, this is, this is unbelievable. You know, we're Ballamacash Rangers. Um, you know, so it's a real, I think it's a real compliment. You know, I, all that stuff actually just, just you know, it, it's a, it actually encourages us and, and spurs us on. It, it, makes it, it makes us, you know, we must be doing something something well because it wasn't our aim. Our aim I met with the committee here at the start of the season and the the aim then was stay in the league. You know, if you can keep us in the league, you've done a great job. And that is exactly, you know, so even, you know, we went on Saturday there and it was like, well, that's an R three points towards staying up, you know, and that's how we, we see it. So, you know, I I'm not one for looking at league tables, looking at um Who's played who? I was talking to somebody earlier. Like, oh, banger! Still playing Mayola twice. And I was kind of going, I, I have no idea, you know, because if you don't win your own game, doesn't it matter. doesn't matter if fiddlers who's played what or what the other team do or what, because you can go into a game on a Saturday and think, well, we're playing them and they're playing them and they'll drop points there and they might or we might. See if you take your eye, see if you take even one percent off what we're doing. I'm, you know, I have no interest, absolutely no interest, you know. So I, I know we're top, but I know Bangor have a couple of games in hand. But I couldn't tell you the points. I couldn't tell you the difference. I couldn't tell you. I don't sit and obsess about about that or look at that. Um, if we are, I mean, our aim now at this stage, you know, if we could be in the top six come the split, would be flipping unbelievable. You know, it would be. I would have ripped your arm off for it at the at the start of the year. Um, you know, and anything after that, you know. And the other thing, you know, you know, we're talking about it earlier. You know, about getting promoted. You have to be ready. You know, the club have to be ready. We wouldn't turn it down. We wouldn't say no to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But you know, it's um, where Bangor. I think this is probably their fourth year in the PAL. Um, you know, if they don't go up, it's probably a disaster for them. You know, with the with the, the effort they've put into to trying to trying to go up, it would be a disaster for them. You know, it could be a disaster for us if we did go up. You know, because of the you know the increased you know expectations and and uh, the, the teams you're playing against. You know, if, there's a. I don't think the the level is that different between the middles and the PAL. It's not huge, or is it? It's obviously better in the PAL. But it's not massive. The difference between the PAL and the Championship One is humongous, absolutely humongous. And again, the, the gap between Championship One and the Premier League, I think, is humongous. Getting bigger. Um, you know, probably probably bigger again. But um, I say it's a big, big jump. So you know, sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. I say we, we wouldn't turn it down, but it's not something we're obsessing about. We're just literally one game at a time, and um, we're we're really enjoying being here. We're really enjoying. I'm enjoying, you know, kind of being back at a good standard and. You know, having linesmen again, and you know all that kind of professionalism. You know, and not playing in some glorified park pitches. You know, some of the, some of the grounds in Middles League were great, but some of them were, you know, you're kind of wondering how their how their intermediate standard. You know, so I don't I don't miss that. So I'm enjoying going to places like the clubs, enjoying going to, you know, we went to Armagh the other week, and you know, drank the bar dry. The supporters did, you know, and I think that's, you know, that we're enjoying that that um, you know the the journey. Mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. So, what is the, the, the ambitions of Bally McCash kind of long term now that you are an Irish League team? Long term, I have no doubt. I mean, there's a, as I said earlier, you know, there's a new building um, going up in the football club, and that is going to, I think, just set the place apart again. I think that's just going to take it a, a step on because the, 
obviously the the revenue that will bring the club with a gymnasium and stuff you know will be, will be humongous um so i have no doubt you know if you were to look at bomb cash rangers in kind of five six seven years that they will be a very very at the very very minimum they'll be a championship one club you know and i think longer term there's a real opportunity there to be uh, an Irish League club, you know, in, in the Premier Division, because you look at, you know, where Dungannon Swifts came from, Newry Town, or Newry City came from, um, you know, all these kind of clubs all came through the Middlestar League and, and you know, where they've ended up. So that's got to be the aim. Lisburn's not a small place. You know, Lisburn's huge, so it's not a knockbreed in the hills with not a support. You know, this is a, a, a real centre of community here, and um, if I have no doubt if we were playing bringing big clubs and the support we get here now is incredible so i could only imagine if we went up now it's not to say i'd be the manager to do it you know i might not be um i'll have to be very very lucky and very very successful to stay here but certainly the ambition of the club um longer term you know and it is longer term that you know that, that this is that's years down the line you know but i think the now we're in the irish league why would you want to settle for second best i don't think we want to stay as a as a pal club but that's not a, an immediate pressure you know but certainly long term for this football club um, if, if I stayed here, my ambition would be to, to, to push through the ranks and, and take the club the whole way. But, but certainly, there's n there's nothing that the club are lacking in terms of the infrastructure here with the the youth section, which is unbelievable now, and um, the good good players that are coming through there. So the sustainability is going to be there for the football club with young players, you know, coming through. Um, the women's teams there, you know, it's just there's such a, a good feeling about it, and the support is there. There's a lot of people about this football club. You know, I remember I signed a player and I brought him down here on a Thursday night um, just to chat. And he goes, uh, he says, what's on here tonight? And I says, nothing. But the club was just busy, you know, and, and that's that's unique. You know, you don't get that at every football club. So so I'm very, very lucky to be here. I, I understand I'm in a privileged position, you know, but I have to do well to, to, to stay here. But, yes. but, but certainly for, for the sports academy and all that, and the shareholders invest in the club, they're not going for all that effort and they're not doing all that just to, you know, tread water in, in the PAL. But I say it's, we do have to walk before we can run and it is a long-term plan, not a short-term plan, but everything's here for this club to go to, to go to the very top. And what is your personal ambitions? I know you got your A licence there not so long ago. Yeah, um, listen, it's, it's, the, it's the manage the very, very top. It goes as far as it can. You know, I think now, I think it's a wee bit different for me now. I think that um, what I was saying earlier about when I, when I first went to Knockbreda, people probably didn't know who I was. Um, I feel like that's not the case anymore. I feel like I, you know people know who I am now more so. You know, I think that I know far more Irish League players. I think I feel far more comfortable um, in this kind of environment and you know going to playing better clubs and I enjoy it more. Um, I think that um, I'm not overawed at all. I think that I've, uh, I think. I, Absolutely, I back myself now. You know, I see what other, I see what other people have done, and I mean, one of my frustrations definitely is that, you know, players get jobs based on what they've done as a player, and I think I am in a unique um, position that you know I don't have the the big playing career behind me, um, but I think I have experience that far outweighs that as a manager. You know, I don't think uh, if you're a good player, it makes you a good manager. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get players who finish the game and you know, maybe play at the top level and then they, they walk into a, a very good job, you know, maybe at the top in the Championship 1 or in the Premier League, based on what they were as a, as a player. I can understand, obviously, you know, to, to a certain degree, but it is, a, it is a frustration sometimes for, and there's many other managers like me, you know, in my position, um, 
but I would certainly back myself and I think that I say and again the A license and stuff, you know, going through that process was great. You learn so much, you network, you meet so many good people through the B license, through the A license. But it doesn't actually teach you about managing. You know, it teaches you about coaching. It's a it's a coaching qualification, you know, how to take a session, you know, and, and how to implement your style of play. Um but it doesn't teach you about managing. It doesn't teach you about, you know, um coping with players who are difficult and, you know, how to leave boys out and how to, you know, keep morale happy. So it's all those things you have to learn yourself. So you can have all the badges in the world. You know, it, it doesn't you know, I've been I've been managing now I think in the nineteen years if you you know, just in terms of taking a team. I've been in first team football from two thousand eight, so you know, fourteen, fifteen years of being a first team manager at a football club. So I think I'm in a unique enough position. So certainly I want to go to the I want to push myself and, and manage as high a level as I can. Would love to take Ball McCash there. There's nothing there's nothing uh there's nothing there's no reason why I couldn't be. Um but you know this club's all the all the all the opportunity to, to, to go that to go that way. But um certainly I'll be doing everything I can to to push myself in the football club, you know, as far as we can go. Fantastic. Well Lee that is the end of our podcast and I wish you and Barry McCash all the very best for the future. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show.